Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Zan. I'm one of the pastors here. You know, um, we're going through a new series. It's called Communiology. Uh, it's a study of uh, a unified body of individuals in God. You know, in Acts 2, uh, 46 to 47, it says this. It says, every day they continue to gather together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, the Lord adds to their numbers daily those who are being saved. You know, for the next six weeks, um, we're looking at what is community? More importantly, what is communityology? You know, everybody, I think not just here, right? Everyone in the world desires to be loved and to be wanted. But why is it so hard to be wanted and loved within the community, right? And I think sometimes, I think we miss out on community because it's hard. Or sometimes in community, it's hard. And we'll see why God created us to be like him, to be in community for pretty much the rest of our lives. Now, community is important to God and addresses a couple of problems, right? Is that this series for our church, we want to just not talk about community, but we want to talk about topics and things that really affect our community. Why is community so hard to get into? Why is it so hard to be vulnerable? Why is it when community goes wrong, how do you refix community? And sometimes, you know, one of the most authentic ways for us to actually be in community is for us to come as we are, right? And have this conversation of what does it mean to be in community? And some of you here, this week for you has been amazing. It's been great. For some of you here, this week's been the downright the hardest week of your life. And somebody here in the community can identify with both. Because we cannot know God apart from community. In community, we're together. Now, this week, for week one, we're going to talk about um, our truest identity. And uh, in your handout, uh, it's missing an E. So go ahead and go in there and pop the E in there. It says trust ID. It's kind of wrong, I think. uh, But what is your truest identity? Now, for me, who am I? Uh, this is a question that I've been asking myself for, I think, as long as I've been alive. Who am I? In different stages of my life, when I was in grade school, middle school, high school, college, uh, you name it. But at some point in my life, what I realized is that when I always wanted to be in community, no matter what stage of my life. And you kind of say that I enjoyed building community or being in community. When I was in uh, grade school, uh, we had a comic book club. And so I was the president. We brought our comic books together, and we shared comic books together. When I was in middle school, I was really big into movies. So we took the bus to go see movies all the time. I was, again, the person that called everybody up on the telephone. I would call the movie theater uh, to check showtimes and wait for all the shows to skip by. And we'd take the bus to go there. And all my friends would meet at the bus stop and go together. And in college and in life right now, we still gather so many people together because community to me is just so important. It is breaking the bread. It is being together. It is simply just doing life together. Now, this is me. I know who I am. For you out there, who are you? And I'm going to give you the mic, and you just tell me just who are you. So I'm a community builder. How about you, sir? Who who are you? Uh, My name's Steven. Hi, Steven. I am, I don't know, I like to have one-on-one conversations with people. Okay, so you're a communicator, a meal afterwards. Okay, cool. Hey, you. Hey, hey, uh, hey, Jay, how are you? (laughs) Who, Who are you? Uh, I'm Quest. Uh, I'm a member of CLC. Okay, so member, I'm a member of a local church or a faith-based community. Okay, cool. Hi, ma'am. How are you? Who are you? 
I'm Julie, and I'm a child of God and part of a family. <laughs> okay, you, you definitely cheated, okay? So you went ahead, okay? It's so a child of God, for sure, and a part of God's family. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. How are you, sir? You blend in with all the pews, with the maroon going on. Um, I'm Josh, and I like to bring people together by doing things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. So doing things together. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Hi, miss. How are you? Who, who are you? <laughs> My name is Gloria, and I'm a child I, of God. You're a child of God. Thanks, Gloria. Again, you cheated again, too, okay? So. <laughs> Hi, miss. Who, who are you? Hi. Hi. I'm Sarah. Um, I like to serve my community by helping others. Okay. And, man, we, we have, like, a lot of, like, interesting who we are. So, like, getting lunch with people, together, a part of a church. I was looking for other answers, okay? But you all didn't work out, okay? Now, a lot of times, maybe you don't want to say it, but sometimes you may be this job, an engineer, a student, a grad student, a pre-med. But you know what, though? Those are, these are things about you that are true, but they're not the truest thing about you. You see? And maybe some of you here that are saying, like, you know, I'm a student. I'm a parent. I'm a mother. But what I want to tell you that that's not the truest thing about you. It's true about you, but it's not the truest thing about you. Many of you here, maybe you're saying that maybe, like, I'm a critic. I'm a consumer. I take in different things. But maybe for you, that isn't, that's true about you, but it's not the truest thing about you. You know, some of us are here, are struggling with health, with an illness, even mental health, struggling in school, struggling in just our relationships with our parents, or even our marriage. Those are true about you too, but you know what? That's not the truest thing about you. You know, maybe we're here this morning, something Pastor Andrew prayed, maybe you're losing your faith. But you know what though? That's not the truest thing about you. You know, this week... Um, we're looking at what are ways for us to find our true identity and these truths about Christ. And some of you share that you're part of a community, you're a child of God and who you are. You know, a community is achieved when our truest identity is only in Christ. And the way that we're going to discover that is that this morning we're going to the Word. And what is in Scripture is going to tell us what does it mean to be in community. You see, before we achieve community and being community, and it's all about the joys of finding, of being part and seeking community. Community is really worthless unless you're part of Christ, unless your truest identity is in Christ for you to actually begin to seek and find community. We're going to go into uh, the Apostle Paul's letter in Colossians. It's in 3, 1 to 17. And this gives us a better understanding of what is our truest identity. So church, as you turn to scripture, I'll go forward in prayer as we go into the word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning as we're able to open your word. Allow us to seek not just paper and ink on a binded material of books, but may you, Father, speak into our hearts beyond these words to resonate. What does it mean, Father, Lord? What does it mean to find our identity in you, Lord, in your scriptures? Amen. So Colossians 3, 1, 17, it says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your minds on all things above, not only on earthly things, for you died. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is in, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with his practices. You have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile, no Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Assyrian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is, is in all. Therefore, as God's creation, God's chosen people, holy and dear and love, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humanity, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any one of you has grievances against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in the perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members as one body you will be called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all the wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whenever you do, whatever in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. Now this letter right here, Paul, that's something really unique. The Colossians thought that they were missing a certain identity of who they were in Christ. And this is what Paul was doing. Paul was saying, wait, wait, you never miss anything. This is who you are already in Christ. I'm going to remind you. And how he reminds them is very simple. He shows them this pendulum shift from who Jesus is from a different way that we could view Jesus. And a lot of times the Colossians, their new culture of believing in Jesus was very different for them because they didn't understand how to do it because they just thought that once they have him, that they could lose him. What Paul was trying to teach the Colossians was that you never lost him. For you to actually have a culture in Christ, it's really hard. So let me remind you of why. You know, prior to this, for a couple of weeks, we were in a prayer series, right? And I asked him, I said, how is our prayer series going on? And he said, you know what? It is so basic. It is such a good reminder of why we pray. And I've been seeing some really amazing postures of how we pray. For the next six weeks, this is a reminder for you. How do we do community? What does it mean for us to... Be who we are in Christ because we are in Christ. Now, here are some of the word focus for us. And we're going to break down these words into three sections, especially in Colossians 3, 1, 17, right? So verses 1 to 4, it's talking about the union with Christ and the fact that we die with him. And section 2 is in 5 to 14. It talks about how it flows out of this foundation that we have of knowing our identity in Christ, our truest identity in Christ which is the truth, right, set in verses 1 to 4. And lastly, uh, verses 5 to 17, the gift of Christ, of his, gr- uh, of his grace that changes us because it changes everything. 
Now, verses 1 to 4, there are a couple words that we highlighted for you right here. Now, in your, little, uh, in your notes, you have a little square box. And I don't know what you wrote in there, what are some of your truest identity and whatever they are, but you can jot it down. But remember, all these things that were true about our different members today of who they are, they are truths. And they are half-truths and sometimes even true. But they're not the truest, that's their truest identity. You see, our truest identity is what? Our truest identity is that when we are in Christ, that is our identity. Now, verses 1, 3, and 4 is a breakdown of understanding what is our truest identity. It says, raised with Christ in verse 1. And in verse 3, it pops down to it. It says, for you are dead, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And in verse 4, it says, when Christ is, is your life. Now, these four, these four verses, and three of them, are going back over of why your identity is in Christ. Raised with Christ, for you have died. Now you're hidden in Christ. And it says, Christ, who is your life? Now, someone said that in verses, chapters 1 and 2, Paul gives us actually a hint to what is hidden. And when he says the word hidden, it actually defines this as, means that this is the safest place you'll ever be in your entire life. And it's with him because Christ is in you. Now it says this. It says that, it says that, it says that when our identity is in Christ, we start to believe in something about Jesus then that starts us to believe in something about ourselves in light of what we should believe about Jesus. You know, some of the craziest things is that all of us here, we are facing this problem. And the problem is, is that when we don't understand our truest identity about ourselves in Christ, this is why it's hard to actually see community. It's really, really hard to see community. Because sometimes communities, right, could be, if it's without Christ, it has no identity. And then the identity becomes what? Just ourselves. But when we begin to seek community with Christ and our truest identity is in Christ, it changes a little bit of a shift of how we see ourselves. And this is where Paul's at. Paul is trying to shift the Colossians to see what is their view of Jesus in their life and what is their truest identity. Because it never left. When you accept Jesus in your life, your identity becomes who you are and who you just are and just be and not by simply just doing. You know, one of the things about community that I really enjoy the most is, um, is meeting people. And sometimes you meet people in community and you hear their stories and hear what's going on. And I began to find some foundational truths of who we are in Christ because of his death on the cross. And here Paul's talking about are you looking from above? And what you're looking from above is that your eyes above is like actually is, you're looking at Christ who's seated higher than you. And there's a story from somebody that I actually got a chance to meet with. And I'm going to call up um, this dear brother. And his attitude to actually seeking out his truth identity really broke me to what he shared. And so um, before we uh, have him come up, the usual hand clap, can, I, can we do a, like snaps? Is that okay? I'm going to call our brother Josh. So is Josh right here? Josh, please come up. So give give a, a warm snaps for Josh. If you're also watching in-game for Avengers, uh, this is uh, also a snap from Thanos, right? So, hey, Josh, how you doing, brother? I'm good. <laughs> Have a seat. 
Um, yeah, you can say it, of course. Hey, Josh, can you tell our church uh, who you are and uh, who you It's on already, yeah. Okay. Who you are and, uh, and, and what do you do? Um, yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I'm a third-year student at Cal. Um, I study uh, molecular biology. And uh, I started coming to CLC this semester, and I'm just uh, very grateful that I finally found a, the right home for me here. Sweet. Hey, tell me about a time when you began to uh, know, know the, the truest thing about you. Yeah, so um, this has to uh, do with a little story between me and my dad. Um, so in the past, um, I always felt that um, the amount of love I received from him is directly correlated with um, the amount of accomplishments and uh, academic performance. And pretty much uh, last semester, I was uh, in a bit of a depression. Um, and I was, uh, I, I had difficulty uh, falling asleep and was having a lot of migraines. And it was really bad to a point where um, I just kept uh, calling homes, uh, telling them I wanted to go, uh, go home. And for some reason, uh, I usually just talked to my mom and my dad would just listen beside her. Mm -hmm. And th there was this one day where he just uh, grabbed the phone from my mom. And there was like a couple seconds of silence. Mm -hmm. But uh, I could hear him sobbing for some reason. And I was very shocked because um, I never seen him cry or sob before. And so after he regathered himself, um, he started a conversation by saying, I'm sorry. And that's also like um, quite incredible because um, I know for him, he's a very um, respectable man and uh, it's really hard for him to say sorry. Mm. But then what he said afterwards was um, just uh, very touching. He told me, um, I'm sorry, son. Um, I know you're in a lot of discomfort right now. Um, and he just said, uh, I admit that sometimes I have difficulty expressing my feelings. And I just uh, want your forgiveness and uh, just want to remind you that um, I love you because uh, you're uh, simply because you're my son. And yeah, um, we'll always uh, have your back. and. Both uh, mom and dad loves you. And afterwards, um, I, my heart kind of just uh, melted um, because I've never received so much love from him. Hmm. And I definitely felt that uh, it was uh, God's work um, through his apology that um, I'm able to experience that um, just God's love and uh, parents' love towards uh uh, their children are just so uh, unconditional and just mm -hmm. like you don't need to get good grades to earn for it. Um, it's just, um, and most importantly, uh, the truest identity uh, for me is in Christ. And yeah, I don't need to earn for my love and it's so unconditional. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Hey, Joshua, you, you want to tell our church where you're from too? Like where, uh, where your parents at, also where you were raised too? Yeah, so uh, I was born in Taiwan, but uh, I grew up in uh, Vancouver, Canada. Mm -hmm. And yeah, tell me, tell me about, um, tell me about knowing that this is your true identity and how it is in Christ that it's not earned. That it's you just need to be, and you need to do anything more to it 
What happened to your migraine afterwards? Um, it, it, just, uh, it just got a lot better because um, I just felt uh, a lot happier afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And then also, I hear something crazy too, church. Uh, Joshua is not here because he just randomly just found our church in Oakland and walking around here. Uh, there's a member of our community here that decided to love on Joshua, bring him out here, say, hey, we have a community here. If you're still figuring out who Jesus is, come out. And uh, this is why he's here. So church, can we give a, a little uh, snaps for, for Joshua as he shares his story? Thanks, brother. Thank you. <laughs> if you see Joshua today, um, say hello. If you're from... Uh, from the Vancouver area or in Canada, say hello to. Why does Paul start with this indicative about who you are already in Christ, this fundamental truth of who you are? And it's really key because this indicative about you is that it is just truth. That's all it is. It's underlying truth of who you are. Now, throughout scriptures, there are a, a plenty of imperatives. And imperatives are what? rules or commands for you to do something, right? But Paul starts here with an indicative because he knows that before you do these imperatives of what God's laws are, are these rules for you, these commands for you, right? He desires for you to know the truth. And the truth is that your truth identity is in Christ because he died for you. And it's nothing you could do to earn, right, this righteousness, this holiness. And it says that you've been raised with him, that for you died and your life now is hidden in Christ, God, and Christ is your life now. If Christ is your life now, you get what Christ has done for you, what's happening now, and what's to come. Now, you're probably wondering, why is there a giant window here? And why am I ignoring it the whole time? It's a good question. I will tell you why. You know, windows are, are, are opportunities, right? Because when, you, when we see a window, the way I see windows is that growing up, I always looked out of the car of my window, and I always saw that windows were ways for us to see different opportunities that we could see and be and do. Glimpses of other people, workplaces, you're in a car, different things. You know, when we're seeking a community, it's really a window of major opportunities, right? Because it begins when we trust or seek our truest identity in Christ, because what Christ is on the cross, that how we should ought to live with Christ that we begin to see opportunities for us, like the window of what can we do. Now, see, our sins don't define us, right? So we forget who we are in Christ. So we've got to remember who we are in Christ. So this is becomes, this is where verses 5 through 14, where we get a chance to see now that this is where we have these imperatives. Now, Paul gives his imperatives because there are words here that are just loaded of what do you have to do or to go away and to escape from. And there's a lot of words. And the best way to put it is that there are a couple words that actually makes more sense. And it's actually in verse 5. It says, put to death. Now, what Paul is talking about here is that he's going to talk about a couple of things of what you need to put to death. And he's going to list them out in two categories. It's in verse 5 and in verse 8. Now, what he does is that he lists out these different sins that we have got to get rid of. And in verse 5 it says this. It says that we're putting to death these specific sins. It's heart sins and physical sins. Now in verse 8 it's talking about verbal sins. And these are the words that he talks about. So this window here we're going to use as an example for us to, uh, to stick these notes, right? And these are the physical sins 
and heart sins. He talks about sexual morality. He talks about impurity. He talks about lust. He talks about evil deeds. And he talks about greed. Now, the reason why Paul uses words is because these are sins that when we attach to it physically and the heart-wise, it corrupts who we are. It corrupts our truest deity and what God desires for us. It really does. Think of all those lists that, we, that are in verse 5 and also in verse 8. Now, these are heart and physical sins that are right here. Now, in verse 8, he goes above even more. He says, what are verbal sins? Here are the verbal sins. It says anger. He says rage. He says malice. He has slander. And my favorite, filthy language and lies. And we see here in this window, there's these heart sins, these physical sins, as well as these verbal sins, yeah? Now, in verse 9 to 10, this is where it changes everything. It says, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, you have put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Now, during this time, especially in the early church, uh, baptism was a way to identify as you follow Jesus. And so what you would do is that you would take off the old clothes of who you are, right? And you then, when, before you get baptized, when, the new, when you get baptized and you begin to identify with Christ, you put on new clothes. And these new clothes you put on is being a lifestyle to do what Christ did for you. So our truest identity is when we die to our old selves, all these physical, all these heart sins, all these verbal sins, and we put on the new clothes. We put on the clothes that Jesus and God desires for you. When I was uh, in college and uh, I dated my wife, um, one of the things that she did to kind, of, uh, to, to kind of baptize our relationship was that um, she bought me a jacket. And I don't wear it as much now, but it's still in my closet. And, and this jacket, for me, it's nothing crazy. It's just a, a gray, uh, dark blue um, gap jacket. I still have it because, you see, when I became, became in union with her, I, I, I said that I'm going to take off my old clothes of not you know, being who I was before, being single or, or, or looking to mingle. But I, 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 you know, I grabbed the jacket she bought for me, and I, I put on this new jacket that I seriously have not worn since college, okay? And this is something that's new. And it's new because I began to actually seek relationship with her in Christ. Two believers trying to figure out our relationship with our sins or struggles. And here we are this year. This is going to be, oh my gosh, it's going to be our 13th year of our marriage. You know, and what Paul does right here, he's, he's telling us, put off, take off all these sins and put on, put on Christ. Put on your truest identity. You know, and this is what's crazy about this. Is that when he tells you to put us on, right, he gives words of life in, in, in verses 11 to 14. And, and community, this is what we, if you're looking for a community, this is why community exists, because this is what we need. 
is that when, when our truest end is in Christ, we have words of life. And what Paul does here is that he has words that lay over these sins, that lays over these verbal, these hearts, this physical sin. You know what he does? And these are the words. He says that no Gentile or Jew, he says, bear with one another. He says, slave or free. He says, Christ is all and all is in Christ. He says, God's chosen people. He says, holy. He says, dear beloved. He says, forgive. He says, clothed with compassion. Oh, I'll do another one over here. He says, kindness. And check this out. He has so much more words that oversees and overshows the sin of physical and heart as well as verbal that it covers even more when your truest name is in Christ. He says, humility. He says, gentleness. He says, patience. And this is the best part. He says, love. Isn't it amazing that when you have words of life, what Jesus was saying, that it covers the magnitude of the possibilities of what's not truest about us. You know, we get to be a part of God's redeemed community by being what he intended for us to be all along. You know, Ephesians 1.4, uh, this is way before Colossians. This is, what, this is what Paul writes. He says that, for he, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. In love. We get to be in Christ. And all these things about us that are not true about us is covered because we're in Christ first. And because when we're in Christ, that's the truest thing about us. That we understand that we are dead to our old selves, new in him. And here's the crazy thing. When God takes away your old self, right, he doesn't go, this is, right, Pastor Andrew 1.0. And this is Pastor Andrew 2.0. What is it? He wipes away you clean. It's the old Andrew, and it's the new Andrew. And that's his truest identity. Because when Christ died on the cross for us, it's what he did. That's our identity. What Christ did for us, for our lifestyle, that's what he did for us. That's why we choose to be in our lifestyle. Now, as we finish up verses 15 and 17, and it says this. It says, Christ's grace changes everything. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body we are called to peace. And to be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whatever in word or deed, do it in all the name of the Lord, Christ, Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul ends this chapter with a simple word, grace. Every single time that I say my daughter's name, Karis, it reminds me of grace. Karis' name is a Greek root of the word grace. And this week, I had the most fondest time as a father just being with her. Being with her, 
because I'm just simply who I am, and she's simply who she is. And I caught myself in, in the car asking her, do you love me? I wanted that affirmation. And of course she looked at me and said, of course, Daddy, I love you, followed by 50,000 kisses and smiles, and her, her giggle, her infectious who she is. And sometimes I find myself not asking, do I love the Father? I find myself feeling that my truest identity is in Christ. Because what he's done for me, and I begin to understand and feel it and know it. Paul ends here with the word grace. And he says this, he says, grace, what Christ did for us, for being him, to give us peace of Christ, the message of Christ, and a thankful for the name of Christ. You see, church, when we know our truest identity, community will actually will come and seek you. Maybe you hear you're, you're in a community and it's amazing, it's great. But you know, though, there's other people that need it too. And so you know, you know what you're going to do? You're going to be your truest identity in Christ and you're going to bring community to somebody else that doesn't know Christ. Maybe for you here, right? Maybe for you here, you have never been in a community because community for you has just hurt you. It's just wronged you. And you never found the right parking spot to come to community, so you leave. Maybe for you, my deepest desire for you is that maybe community will come to you and be the truest thing for you that you will ever feel, ever see. Yesterday, I, I got this uh, message from somebody in our community that wasn't in our community anymore. And this is what the message was. And I'll read it to you. Hi, Jan. It's, it's, it's been a while. I hope you're doing well. It's kind of both a lot and not as much as uh, has happened in, um, in the last couple of months. But today, it made sense that I want to go back to church. Even with all my questions and all, I'm just willing to be there, and I want to be there. I want to thank you for always supporting us at Berkeley. I'm very excited to see you tomorrow. I, I began to sob. I didn't reply anything to this person. They said, it's weird because when I was in the shower, I realized that, that it's not like this crazy happening of this semester, but, but in the shower, I just realized that I, I want to learn about him again. You know, I want to give you an application. I want to give you ways of steps for you to find your truest identity in Christ. But this is what I realized. What I realized was that at the core of yourself, if you don't even know that your truest identity is in Christ and what he's done for you, then there's no application, there's no steps for me to give you to actually understand fully that your truest identity is in Christ because he desires to be in relationship with you because he loves you, he adores you, and Christ is your life. Church, your identity, your true identity will always be in Christ. Not today, not tomorrow, forever, but forever and ever. My desire for you as our church here is that we ask you and desire for you to believe 
and trust. To believe and trust. Of what is your what is your truest identity? And it's in Him. I'm gonna call the praise team up, and we're gonna have time to a response. And church, um, the one thing about, I really love about our community is that we come from all walks, we come from all circles, we come from all different places. And the reason why God creates community to be so different is because He says for us. That doesn't matter who you are, Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised. He asks us to be different communities to different people because there's something different about having Christ in us, having Christ in you that changes everything. And for this person that messaged me last night, I haven't met with him for a very long time. But you know who has, though? People in our community, people in our church that love on this person when they don't feel like loving Jesus. When this person didn't feel like they knew or want to run away from Jesus, they still and kept being the community and the body of Christ to this person. What a blessing that was. So church, we're going to pray. As you respond, may God remind you of who you are and your identity in him. Lord, as we come before you, Father, Lord, this morning, May you remind us, Lord, of what it means to be a child of you. What does it mean, Father, to simply see our new self in you and what you did on the cross for us and what you died for us, Father, Lord, because you're a good God. You're such an amazing God that provides so much. So, Father, Lord, may you continue to be a work in us to believe. Maybe some of us here, we're struggling to believe. Or maybe here, Father, this is the first time, this is the first time that you're being challenged to figure out what is your identity? What is your truest identity? And maybe this is the first time hearing that our truest identity is in you. And if you desire to make that decision to know Jesus, to put your trust in him, to die to your old self, and to be new, may you seek that out with whomever brought you. Maybe where you're at. Or is it with us in the back pew during prayer time? There are people that love to pray for you, to talk with you, and just to be with you. So church, as we go into response, may you, Father, Lord, remind us to look our eyes above of what you did, what has been done for us, so that we could just simply be who we are in you.